So today I want to start the show by mentioning Luke Evangelista. Now, I'm not sure how many of you outside of Vancouver Canucks fans and Nashville Predators fans ended up watching that Vancouver-Nashville game last night. Uh, 4-3 is the final score, shootout style. Vancouver beats the Nashville Predators. Um, I know many of you probably watched the Oilers, fueled by Connor McDavid, big win against Buffalo Sabres, 3-2 McDavid, wash, rinse, repeat with two more goals. Uh, maybe you watched the San Jose Sharks beat the Winnipeg Jets in overtime in the West Side Story Victors, the Sharks in that one. Many of you probably watched the Calgary Flames go up on the Dallas Stars, throw it all away, and then with, was it 4.7 seconds remaining, Tyler Toffoli on a breakaway. How do you give up a breakaway with under five seconds remaining in a tie game, Dallas Stars? Tyler Toffoli wins it for the Calgary Flames in dramatic fashion. Maybe you watched that. Not sure how many were following the Preds and uh, the Vancouver Canucks last night, but... Luke Evangelista. Uh, if you don't know Luke Evangelista, um, you're probably going to get to know him. And he's a really good story. And I, he's he's uh, like every player when they get to the NHL has a type of story. Like there's a lot of different ways to get to the NHL. Everybody brings their own backstory. I love Evangelistas because it confronts you with the question: Should I quit or should I work harder? And what I what I'm thinking. Uh, at a very specific moment in my career is a barrier is really an opportunity. Let me explain. So Luke Evangelista, yesterday with the Nashville Predators, he's playing on a line with DeShane and Thomas Novak, and they were really good last night. Um, Evangelista is a second-round draft pick of the Nashville Predators. Um, played with the London Knights of the OHL, was a captain of the London Knights with the OHL. Before that, he played his minor hockey um, with the Oakville Rangers. And when he was in Bantam, when he was in minor midget, he was the guy that shot the lights out. Like maybe the highest scorer in Ontario, like 95 points in 30 games, like that good. That was Luke Evangelista, you know, ticketed as, you know, this next can't miss guy um, coming out of the Oakville Rangers program. He gets drafted uh, by the London Knights. And if you know anything about the London Knights, you're not going to get a whole lot of playing time in your, certainly your first year. And in your second year, you'll be lucky to get on the power play, even if you're an elite level player. And that's what happened to Evangelista. But the Hunter brothers kept him around. Um, he would play penalty kill, uh, wouldn't get on the power play, except around World Junior time when all the players went to the WJC and there were opportunities, he'd get on the power play. But other than that, it was a little bit of five-on-five, five, some penalty kill as well. And for a lot of kids transitioning from being an elite-level player in youth-slash-minor hockey to playing junior and not being afforded the same opportunities and not having the same results, it can be pretty jarring. It can be pretty shocking for a player, too. But again, it confronts you with the question, should I quit or should I work harder? And Evangelista stuck with it, ended up getting drafted in the second round by the Nashville Predators. And because he went through all of that in junior, like there's a lot of junior players that go right from their OHL or WHL, although they have the Bantam draft, uh, QMJHL, right into um, the, uh, right into their junior program, and they get a starring role or a guaranteed ice time. It wasn't like that for Evangelista, but after he got drafted and sent to the American Hockey League after finishing up in junior, where a lot of guys make that transition to pro 
and have a hard time because the minutes are diminished and the opportunities are diminished and it's really harder and you're not getting the same amount of feedback from your coaches in the American League. We know what pro hockey is life. It's a whole lot of you're on your own here, kid, now. Because Evangelista already went through that in junior and that type of adversity, it wasn't too much of a, or maybe even not even, a shock to the system at all. And he's already a more responsible defensive player. You know, growing up, you want to score goals and you get it. Like, that's that's your game. Um, with the London Knights, you learn how to play more of the defensive side of the puck as well, and it's done him well. And you saw the evidence of it last night, goals number one and goals number two on the career. And what I love about Evangelista is he's really close to getting sent back down. <laughs> I'll just be blunt. Um, it's almost like it's game to game right now for Evangelista. And every game you cherish and every game it's like, yes, uh, I'm up here for one more game. It's these types of players. I'm not sure where you're at, but it's these types of players that I can't help cheering for myself. Game to game, fighting to stay in the NHL. Two big goals for Evangelista yesterday. I know the Preds didn't win. And in any type of interview he'll do after the game, he won't focus on his two goals or staying. He'll focus on the two points would have been much more important than the first two goals in the career. Um, But it's a wonderful story. And it's these types of players that at least I, and I suspect maybe you do as well, cheer for. Let's get to the program. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, a lot to get to, and I'm going to begin today's program with an apology as we bring on Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada because maybe Elliot has a homespun remedy or a uh, a hack for this one. Uh, hello, Elliot. How are you today? I'm good, Jeff. Yourself? Uh, I'm okay, but here's my problem. So mm-hmm. right before the show, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll, you know, make some notes when I get up in the morning, get the kids off to school, start doing prep, and then I'll do uh, a workout. So today I was on the bike for like 45, um, yeah. watching the Chris Rock Netflix special, which is hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. And so right after I hop in the shower, clean up, get ready for the show, and I cut myself right under my nose. And I've gone through about... You know, three flags of Japan, maybe four, when you take the tissue paper and you, you stick it on, you know, wherever, mm-hmm. your, wherever your cut is. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think I've got it stopped. But I told mm-hmm. Lance and Jen, you know, uh, before we came on, you got to let me know if the gusher erupts again and I can, I can get it off my face because I have no idea at which point, you know, Mount Shaving Cut is going to erupt one more time. I don't have a hack for this one. I don't have a homespun remedy for this one. Um, I just have, you know, a some <sighs> tissue paper that I jam on my, in this case, just <clears throat> under my nose. Do you have a, a homespun remedy for when you cut yourself shaving in the shower? No, I just let it go. You just, just let, let it bleed? Go. You don't even try to stop it? No, just let it go. It'll eventually so like, stop. You don't understand. Like, I have to be on television here from noon to yeah. two, and it's not going to look very sightly if I look like that, you know, Providence Bruins-Lehigh Valley fight we saw on Sunday on television. Well, I think if you've seen me at all on television the last three years, you'll know I really don't care a lot about <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> So I kind of get the feeling, though, that blood is a line for you, that you wouldn't go on television with you know, a bloody nose or a shaving cut. I, I have a story about that. I'll tell you in a second. I probably would, but now. <laughs> but, no, generally I, generally I think, unless you, like, what kind of cut is this? Because usually, like, those kinds of small cuts, they just, 
they just stop in a few seconds. I like, what did so you do? Did, as I'm holding you, up. Do you shave with like a with a hacksaw? Like, what are you shaving with? No, just with like a just with a, just with a straight blade. All right. I don't know. It sounds like uh, my It cut me good too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I may I I, I may erupt at some point. And Lance Jen, please let me know because this will be messy on 360 here. Um, you know, just, I, I have to tell you. So you you'll remember that before the Raptors hired Chuck Swirsky, I did play by play for a couple of games, right? Yeah. And and one of yes. them was in Orlando. And before that game in Orlando, I cut my lip shaving, and it wouldn't stop. And it, it went for about two oh. hours. And I actually, Whoa. the Raptors trainer, actually had to put some of the stuff that they used to stop cuts on it for players. Like whatever that filler is that, that, that stops players from yeah, bleeding, yeah, yeah. They, had, they had to use it on my lip before the broadcast. It was pretty hilarious. Oh man! Uh, now I'm getting people texting me and DMing me with home. Oh, they'll they'll give you they'll give you, they'll give you solutions. People are great. They they okay. will help you with this. Yeah, people will help you. This with is this. great. This is, th- uh, and you know what? I'm having some some shoulder pain as well. If there are any doctors <laughs> uh, listening or watching right now. <laughs> okay, let's get to hockey here. Um, I just mentioned yeah. Luke Evangelista off the top. The Nashville Predators dropped yeah. one to Vancouver yesterday. I mean, he's he's quite a story. I should throw in there as well mm-hmm. that Evangelista biographically as well um, is the second cousin of Brendan Shanahan, the Toronto Maple Leafs um, mm-hmm. president, first and second goals. And and here here's the here's one of the things that I was pointing out that I I just love about this player who I watched going back years, and I'm going to sound like that guy, but here I go, playing with the Oakville Rangers before he got to junior hockey. What I love about him right now is at this time of year, Frege, I'm in love with the guys that are fighting day to day to stay in the NHL. And that's mm-hmm. Luke Evangelista. And after last night's game, like Evangelista bought himself at least one more game. Like it takes a certain point, you know, you you accrue a number of games and then you're there. Like you are an NHLer. I just love and right now the, the best example is Evangelista, the guy that's fighting every single day to stay in the league. And last night, wonderful performance, played with uh, DeShane and Novak on that line that was just buzzing against Vancouver last night. Um, I just love the story. There's no question attached to this one. Just, I love the Evangelista story, the kids that are fighting to, to play one more game in the NHL at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think they're great stories. I mean, I was looking at Nashville last night while watching that game. They've actually passed Calgary now in points percentage. You know, their, their math... Yeah isn't great. Um, you know, they're six points behind Winnipeg with three games in hand. So basically they have to win everything that they have left over. But I, I would like to see at least some level of a playoff race in the Western Conference. Like we've got a great one brewing at the bottle of the East, but we've got like a looks like a dud in the West. But um, you know, I'm sure the people in Winnipeg would disagree with that sentiment, though. The, the, <laughs> thing, about, the thing about Nashville I, I really find interesting is just how, like, they've sometimes it, it's just a reminder of that you have to send a grenade through your room. Um, you know, mm. I, I think the odds are the odds are obviously really against them. Uh, I think it's more unlikely than likely. And they probably and they needed that point, that extra point last night that they didn't get uh, to the Canucks in the shootout. But uh, I, you know, I mean, I, I think it's it's pretty clear that 
Um, that room was a little bit complacent. And what David Poyle did at the deadline kind of lit a charge uh, underneath everybody there. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll 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 see what happens, but uh, I'm with you. And and by the in Calgary, and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, they almost threw away a game uh, yesterday, and it took heroics of a you know, Huberto pass to Toffoli and a great shot by Tyler Toffoli uh, to keep the two points in their hip pockets. We'll get there in a second. But what I wanted specifically to talk to you about today, Frege, something we mentioned on our podcast, uh, and then I'm not sure if it was if you and I mentioned it yesterday or I just mentioned it later on in the radio broadcast yesterday, um, but the story is about Atlanta and Houston. And the one thing yeah. that I found doing either the podcast or this show is the minute you mention something that's been whispered, all mm-hmm. of a sudden people start calling and start yes. talking. And yes. start saying, well, you're on to something, but here's where you're wrong. You need to look in this direction instead. Yes. Um, there is definitely something. I don't know how close or far away it is, but there is definitely something with both Atlanta and Houston and the NHL. <sighs> I always feel like I have to preface this by apologizing to Quebec Nordiques fans, but there is mm-hmm. definitely something happening with Atlanta and Houston, Elliot. Agree, disagree? Well, I, I think that there's there's something happening, but I, I think the question is how far down the road we are. Like, the NHL is trying to put, like, throw some cold water on this. And the, the one thing, and which I get, like, they don't want, they don't want everything to get out of control here. The, the one thing I think, and I absolutely agree with Jeff, is that I think, I think Houston someday will be an NHL city. Um, I, I do. I just don't know if it's expansion or it's relocation. Like, if this whole Arizona situation doesn't work with the new building, I, I have to think Houston is the likely location, right? Um, it's, uh, it's a natural rival for Dallas. It's the largest market in the U.S. that doesn't have a team. Um, like there, there's a lot of things that make sense there. The the one issue with Houston is they don't really have an arena. Um, obviously, there's one where the Rockets play, but the league has met with that ownership group before and has been underwhelmed by what it heard. So, mm-hmm. like I look at that as, you know. I think if they go there, they want to go there in their own situation. And the guy I look at for this is Tim Laiwiki. Um, Tim Laiwiki is a guy who solves arena problems. And, you know, for example, one of the reasons the Seattle Kraken are in the NHL is because they couldn't get an arena for a long time, and he went in there and he solved that problem. And so, you know, I've said this before. This is not the first time I've said this, but I do believe that the long-term play there potentially is him solving this problem. And if that happens, I do think Houston will be in the league. Atlanta, for me, is a, is a tougher sell, Jeff. I mean, it's already been twice. I know that one of the things that's being talked about here as part of this whole story is that um, the rink would not be downtown where the Hawks play. It would be in a suburb called Alpharetta because they think it makes more sense to have an NHL team there. I, just for me... I think you'd have to sell me on it. Like, like you really would have to sell me on it to why it would work. And I will tell you, Jeff, I mm-hmm. had someone who said to me yesterday that he thinks 
that if there that if there's one city we're not talking about here, it's Kansas City. Uh, no big winter sport, no NBA team, AEG Arena, another group that the NHL yeah. has a, a connection with from the Kings. Um, and, you know, what this guy, he was really going down the rabbit hole with me. He says, look, like, you make Patrick Mahomes <laughs> an investor like Marshawn Lynch is and Ryan Reynolds yeah. might be, and you've got, like, a, a home run. But there's what this story has definitely done, Jeff, is kicked up some has kicked up some dust. There's 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 no question yeah. about that, and we'll see where we go here. Well, Kansas City was one. Of, this is you know before the Pittsburgh Penguins you know got on got on solid ground. That was one of the places we thought the Pittsburgh Penguins may end up if things continued to go south and they had to pull up stakes. Like Kansas City was was one of those cities that we looked at, and the rumors were very much out there. Like, don't be surprised if it's the Kansas City Penguins sooner than later. So this isn't exactly the first time that, uh, and you mentioned the arena is, is, is already built there. This wouldn't be the first time we've heard about Kansas City. No, it wouldn't. But I, like I said, I, I think, like, I, I think what this story has done is at least has kicked up in, uh, interest and conversation. Um, but to me, like, I've always, like, the one thing that I, I see here is I don't know if expansion makes sense until we know what the long-term future is in Arizona. Because one of these cities right. has got to be the backup plan if this Coyotes rink fails. Well, I wonder how much the league just flat out, just to be honest with you, Elliot, at a, and it's at a couple of different levels too, looks at the success that Seattle has been, looks at the success that Vegas has been, not just in the oh, NHL, yeah. but we've talked about this before. Like, look how successful Coachella Valley is. Look how yeah. successful Henderson is. Like, this is yeah. hitting at the NHL level, financial powerhouse, and the American Hockey League level. Like, these, these two teams, like Coachella Valley and Henderson, these AHL teams are going to be both top five in revenue mm-hmm. and they might end up being one and two by the end of the season you know three thousand season ticket holders at in in coachella valley for the firebirds like these are runaway success stories these are these are oh, glorious. Yeah. and they're in mark and they're in markets where you want to quote unquote grow the game these have been tape measure home runs tape measure well they they, they have been both as you said at both the nhl and ahl levels and you know don't forget too we've got non-binding bids due for the Ottawa Senators this week. Um, uh, you know, I, I, ta- I talked to someone who was loosely, I mentioned to you yesterday, I talked to someone who's kind of loosely affiliated with one of these groups, and he's convinced someone, He's convinced someone's going to come in hot. He, he really is. He, he thinks someone comes in hot. And again, these are non-binding. But um, I, I, I'm really curious to see where this goes, because like I said, I... If you know anything about the housing market, you know about what's called bully offers. And I think there are some people yeah. involved here who suspect one's coming somewhere. I just got the note from Lance, or I just got the uh, the, 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 the cut-in from Lance Kennedy that I that mm-hmm. I just sprung, Elliot. So I got I to gotta, I gotta dab here for a second and get the... Uh, Oh, you just okay. but I'm a soldier. So, I'm, well, a, I'm a soldier, Elliot. I'm I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior on radio. <laughs> gonna play. Gonna play her. Come on, man. <laughs> this is hockey. Just let it bleed. <laughs> just let it bleed. Lance. Bleed all over him. Let him know you're there. Lance, this is a um, hockey show. You think the viewers can't handle a little bit of blood? 
That's a good point. I should knock a tooth out while I'm at it and muss up my hair and what's yeah. with all the showering before you go out there nonsense. <laughs> okay, so uh, a couple of th- a couple of things from last night. Yeah, that I wanted to get to. Um, Nick Ritchie scores his first goal as a Calgary Flame. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the Calgary Flames go up on the Dallas Stars, only to watch that lead fritter away. You know, Rupe yeah. Hin scores that goal to make it four-three. Short-handed, Elliot. I think we're all thinking the same thing. Uh-oh, well, here we go again. But then, yeah, yeah to full to fully with the uh, with the heroics at the end. Uh, we focus so much on games you can't lose. When you're up like that and you're the Calgary Flames, listen, good on Tyler Toffoli. Nice play by Jonathan Huberto as well. Um, <laughs> that was so close to being another chapter in this season, if you know what I mean. Good on Calgary for, for coming out at the end of it. But they like they tried to throw this one away, Fridge. They really tried to throw this one away. But, you know, you, you wonder if it's... Uh, you, you wonder if it's... Like they have a huge game tonight. They got to go to Minnesota now too, right? So I mean, this yeah. is this is not an easy back to back. But you and and you also wonder if it's too late. But you always look at wins that can change the trajectory of your season. Uh, if you're Calgary, you're hoping that this is one. But you got to go home, and Minnesota's waiting for you. That's a that's a tough one. Like yeah. you, that 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 looks like a schedule loss. But I mean, we'll see. The thing is, though, Jeff, I remember when they when they went to Florida and they won in the shootout and Huberto scored the winner. I, I really thought that was the game that was going to kind of turn around their season, and you know that didn't happen. But I, I watching that game last night, the way they celebrated when Toffoli scored and they held on in that game, it just looked massive. Uh, my question is, I don't know if they have enough runway, but boy, that was a massive win. Yeah, that was huge. Um, I'll tell you what, file this one under, you can't lose that game. Yeah. Ottawa was bad from the hop yesterday against the Blackhawks. Uh, they end up losing 5 nothing. First of all, one of the positives, uh, nice ovation from those that were, were there in Chicago for Alex DeBrinkett, uh, who made yeah. his return to Chicago. Um, and then it was just a stinker by the Ottawa Senators. And good on the Chicago Blackhawks. They went right at Ottawa, and from the beginning to the end, uh, filled them up. Brady Kachuk had a short fuse trying to get uh, trying to get at Seth Jones, uh, and yeah. then trying to get at Alex Stalock at the, at the end yeah. of the game too. Stalock would have fought um, him uh, too, knowing gets, his history. He probably. Totally would have fought him. Um, yeah. Uh, Kastelik gets kicked out. Watson gets kicked out. Kachuk with the misconduct. It was, it was a wild one. But at the end of it, that's a game that, that Ottawa's got to have. Like now they're down to 19 games to make up yeah. those points. Not saying they can't do it. They can. But you're playing the Chicago Blackhawks with all due respect. That's got to be two points. Like dear Mar, we talked about this yesterday. The margin oh. is so slim. For Ottawa here, they can't afford losses against teams like the Hawks. Yeah, they, they came off the sugar high. They got their crash, as we discussed yesterday. Yeah, I actually time. didn't think Chicago played that badly. I, I, I mean, Ottawa played that badly. I thought they had a chance to really take control of this game, and uh, they just didn't do it. And unfortunately, they just didn't get a, they didn't get a save. This, wasn't in the, this was a night where, well, uh, what's that, Lampino's old line? Your goaler was better than my goaler, yeah. so you win. Uh, it's just a rough, it was a rough yeah. night. I thought I, I didn't think they were terrible at all. They just simply got beat. But you know, you're right. We talk about runway at this time of year and how your math is. That's that's a really tough one. And 
you know, they had an emotional week and, and, uh, and they crashed a little bit from those emotions. I mean, this is why in this league, uh, Jeff, it's, it's so important to, to get off to a good start. Like it's so hard to dig. It's like the Simpsons where you're trying to dig up, right? Like it's just really hard. And, uh, and nights like that are probably five times worse because it really hurts your math. I mean, I can't fault them too much. I, I didn't think they played badly. I just think they got a goaltender mm-hmm. last night. Uh, the news um, of the day, Ryan O'Reilly uh, had surgery yeah. today uh, for the, uh, the the finger fracture. It's interesting. I was talking to a, to a doctor friend of mine this morning. Uh, let me just grab the text here, who was pointing out to me a lot of this will be based on you know, whether the fracture goes into the joint or not, that'll depend a lot on the timeline. Um, mm-hmm. If no joint involvement, three to four weeks, eight weeks with surgery on an NHL player, uh, for us it would be closer to 12. Um, so Sheldon uh, keeps saying that the uh, the timeline on this one is approximately four weeks. Um, did the Maple Leafs potentially dodge a bullet here? Yes. I would say they dodged a a huge one. And I I would also think that, um, you know, the timeline is pretty convenient too. Is it not? What, four weeks? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, (laughs) very, very convenient timeline. (laughs) Because now, like, if now, if you want, I mean, it'll be close. I mean, and the league really is going to watch stuff like this, I think. But, you know, it'll, it'll be close, but at the very least, uh, what you can do is you can keep them on LTIR until the playoffs start if you want. So yes. uh, they're, they're definitely going to be in that timeline, but you know, it could, it could have been a lot worse. Like, as you said, if you get the fracture in the wrong place, you know, fin- um, oh. you know, the, the one, the one thing last year, Cadre he played with a broken thumb and I believe it was his top hand and he, he came back and it was like, it wasn't easy. I mean, you know how hockey players are. They will try to do things that mere mortals like us cannot do or probably shouldn't even attempt, but it does sound like they got, they really got lucky and fortunate with this one. And, and Hedman's not going to play tonight, although they're, they're saying day to day. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. Uh, I would, you know, you, I have no problem with bubble wrapping Hedman for a little bit until the first round if I'm the Lightning. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, by the way, you'll see Tampa on the network tonight on East Ontario and Pacific. They face off against <clears throat> the Philadelphia Flyers and Maple Leafs. Um, take on the New Jersey Devils. Um, let me conclude on a couple of things here really quickly. Um, don't look now, but Rasmus Sandin has five points in two games to the Washington Capitals. Now, they lose last night, doubled up by the Los Angeles Kings, but Rasmus Sandin, Elliot, has five points in two games. If we thought maybe the Capitals, again, this is only a couple of a game, couple of game audit, but he's looked really good. Uh, if we thought the Capitals were going to go shopping for another big-name defenseman in the offseason to compliment John Carlson, maybe mm-hmm. they already have it. Well, you know, I, I think this, like, number one, like, I, by the way, I'm getting a lot of these texts, Jeff. The Blues blew it. They traded Sardines, kicking gas for Washington. I was like, <laughs> oh, it didn't take long for this to happen. Oh, yeah. Did not take long. 
Well, look, like, you know, look, I, I, I'm not trying to discredit Sandine or make him look bad in any way, but the opportunity is going to be different in Washington than it is here right now, right? I guess his minutes per game is going yeah. up six minutes a game. Um, so he's getting, like, he was not getting this opportunity in Toronto right now. And I would suspect no. that, uh, I, like, I just think that it was time, it, we were getting to the point where Sandine and the Maple Leafs, like, it, it was time to put all the cards on the table and see where we were. And I don't believe that Toronto's making that deal if they don't get that return. You know, the first-round pick, uh, especially. Gustafson, as we've talked about, is the Morgan Riley insurance policy on the power play. But um, the first-round pick, especially, I don't know if Toronto does that they don't get that. But I, I think Sandin was unhappy. I, I, think, I think Toronto recognized he was unhappy. Um, I just think, it, like, everything that happened last summer – with uh, Sandine saying he didn't didn't like the way it looked for his future here, like it was, to me, it wasn't about the contract and the terms of the contract last summer. The dispute it was about what he perceived as his role and his, and his opportunity. And I just don't think it ever got better for him. I think the Maple Leafs were ha- were, were going to be happy to punt this into next year, and they would have done that. But I just don't think he would have been happy and. You know, you can see where this was going, Jeff. He probably wasn't going to play a ton. Like, I don't think Timmons is going to play a ton. I think that, and I think the player kind of understands it, um, that, you know, they'll work with him. He'll skate. He'll get some games at the end of the regular season if maybe, uh, you know, either because of injuries or there's opportunities in the schedule. But I think he kind of understands he's not going to be in the mix in the playoffs. And, well, I don't expect him to like it. I think he gets it. Um, you know, but Sandine, I don't think we're going to put up with that. And I think Toronto knew that was the case. And uh, they were just like, you know what? It's time. If we get the return we want, you know, we'll, we'll do it. And that's what they did. I, I just think the player was frustrated and the team knew that. And they just decided, all right, here's our, here's our line. You hit our line. We'll do the deal. And that's what yeah. happened. Uh, don't disagree. Uh, also from last night, real quick, uh, filed this under, oh, okay, well, we just expect it. Um, Connor McDavid with two more, go- two more goals now has 54, 124 points on the season. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers beat the Buffalo Sabres by a final score of 3-2. to two. You watched that on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Okay, um, thank you, Elliot Friedman. Uh, back to your hunting about Houston, Atlanta, and Kansas City. You have an eventful and I'm sure informative afternoon ahead of you. All right, Jeff, don't tell me what to do. And I hope you stop bleeding. <laughs> no, you don't. I know you. Okay, there he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.